Thank you, April and Allison, for that wonderful music this morning, certainly celebrating uh, who we are in relationship to our God. I want to read this morning from John, the first chapter, beginning there in verse 18 as we read together this passage uh, coming from John, telling the story of the gospel through his eyes. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only God, who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father, has been made known. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Finally, he said, who are you? Uh, give uh, us an answer to take back to those who have sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you go and baptize you if you are not the Messiah or Elijah or a prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to be able to untie. This all happened at Bethany, at the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of His precious and holy word. Coming home this Christmas, it's been said that as we enter into this Christmas season, that the heart, it turns homeward. Coming home is an important thing for us. And certainly, I remember uh, as I graduated from college and was going to seminary, I went one semester to Southwestern Theological Seminary, uh, which is in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, it's not very far when you fly out there, but it's a long way if you drive back. And I remember a friend of mine as... We were going to come back in his car together. Uh, I got out of an exam at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He was loaded up, sitting there waiting for me. I got in the car. We stopped and ate one time, stopped a couple times for gas. But besides that, we were on a mission to get back to North Carolina. And about 22 hours later, we finally did that one. One of us stopped driving. The other one started driving. We wanted to get home. We knew how important that was. We were North Carolina guys, and we had enjoyed our time in Texas, but we were going to enjoy our time back in North Carolina again, back with family and friends, and we look forward to that. I think there's always that homing instinct in all of us, which Norman Rockwell, I think, captures so beautifully in many of his pictures. I love his pictures, don't you? And uh, you see that one of that family sitting around the table, and they all have different expressions. It comes to life for you as you see that wonderful picture. It tells us uh, how important that home life is, that family life is. <clears throat> There's that beautiful song that we uh, hear during this Christmas season as we think about Christian music and as we think about <clears throat> those Christian hymns and as we think about just even secular songs. I, I hear that song, I'll be home for Christmas, you can count on me. 
uh, please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. I'll be home for Christmas where the love light beams. I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. Well, for some of us, that may be what it is this Christmas, only in our dreams. Maybe we can't go home. Maybe we live far off. Uh, maybe we have somebody that's in the military that's even overseas or family that's, that's uh, traveling abroad, uh, maybe studying abroad, uh, for some reason can't be home. Certainly during this time of this coronavirus, many people are isolating and finding themselves by themselves and decide not to get together with family. So this is quite a different year when we start talking about going home and being home for Christmas. It may not be the same. But I think as we read this passage and we think about John and his ministry and as we think about Jesus Christ and what his ministry means for all of us, we understand that God invites us to come home. In January, way back, in 1980, Kathleen drove her daughter, Wavy, to Sisters High School in Interverse, Florida. She didn't know this, but this would be the last time she would see her for quite a while. As she dropped her daughter off, or she didn't see her daughter come home that day, and so she contacted the school authorities, and she contacted the local police, the FBI, the governor, anybody she could contact, her and her husband about trying to find her daughter, didn't know where she was, it was missing. Can you imagine what that felt like? Well, they decided they'd put together flyers and they distributed those all throughout Florida and also in Georgia, spending what little money they had to try uh, to find their daughter again. Their daughter had gone to school that day, not intending to run away. She was free. She called her parents many times, only to hang up before they answered. She wrote hundreds of letters that she never mailed because she ended up coming back home again. And finally, some two years and almost six months later, on June the 29th, the word came she was in this little small town in Georgia. Her parents were there at 6 o'clock in the morning to invite her with open arms to come back home. And there were a lot of tears and there was a lot of happiness as this daughter had come back home again. How great it is for us during this Christmas season to understand that message applies to us, that God is inviting each one of us back home, back home into the fold again, into a world of darkness that we live in. The great light is able to show us the way back home. We do not need to stay the way that we are. For God has provided a way. And I hope you hear this this morning. There is more grace in God than sin in us. There is more grace in God than any sin that we have in us. Oftentimes I will encounter people who say, I'm just not good enough to be a part of the church. I'm not good enough to be a Christian. When I get my life back together, then I'll get involved in the life of the church. We can't wait till that time. We need to understand that God's grace is inviting us even when we are in the midst of all of our sinfulness, some that we are aware of and some that we are not. This is what God is saying for us today in the manger that He came to. Come home, all of you. You are forgiven. 
and I will give you new direction in which you need to go. Secondly, I think we cannot go home again until we understand that all of our sins are forgiven. I wonder how many folks at Christmas, uh, after you've opened all of your presents and all those ribbons and that wrapping paper and all that energy that has gone into buying it, it's over pretty quickly, isn't it? It's about like a, uh, fixing that Thanksgiving meal. It takes many, many hours to prepare it and just takes a few minutes sometimes to eat it. <laughs> Christmas is a lot like that too, isn't it? We spend a lot of time and energy in buying gifts and ordering presents and wrapping those presents and then we unwrap those. And I wonder sometimes as we open that last box, do we also experience an emptiness in our heart? I wonder after we've opened all of those Christmas cards and all of that's wonderful and it's great, if we feel as though loneliness has edged its way back into our life, it only left for a short time. At this Christmas time, we find gifts and presents can make up sometimes for the lack of folks not coming home. But it cannot make up for the lack of God's presence in our life as we continue to journey. There is only one thing that can fill that void in our life that emptiness that creeps up on us so often. There's a story that comes to mind that was given in oral tradition of the church about Leonardo da Vinci. As he was planning on painting the Lord's Supper and finishing the touches on that. He had been doing that for some time and there was still one face in the Lord's Supper that had not been completed and that was Judas Iscariot. He had not been able to find that face. You see, he had got live, living portraits of people who would come and sit and, and he would draw their pictures. He would paint their pictures as they looked in real life. But he couldn't find that person that would fit the mold of Judas Iscariot. And so he decided what he would do, that he would go to the local prison. And he would try to find somebody that would match what he thought the appearance of Judas Iscariot would look like. And in those days, you could buy the release of a prisoner if you paid a certain amount of money. But we find that he went there and he looked in the cells as the jailer showed him around and nobody seemed to quite fit the bill. But then... He was invited to go in one more dark corridor and there he saw a guy and he was invited inside the cell. It was very dark inside of there, very grim. Finally, the man began to warm up to him as they spent some time in there with him. And he told him, he said, Sir, your freedom has been bought. You are freed indeed today. And he took that once prisoner along with him who had been freed up. They went across the street and for the first time in a long time that sun hit him in his face and he was almost blinded by the sun and he went over across the street there to be able uh, to draw the portrait of this man. As they got there, the man looked up at the pictures of all the men that were already in the Lord's Supper and he was focused on one particular and it was on Jesus. He kept looking at the face of Jesus. He couldn't took his eyes off of that. The artist said to him, Sir, 
you don't understand. Here is the chair. I want you to sit in that chair. I am going to uh, paint your face uh, in this blank space where Judas is supposed to be. The man with some kind of confusion look on his face continued to look at Jesus. Thinking he didn't understand what he had said and who Jesus was, he began to explain who Jesus was and who he had come and lived and died for. But the convict only looked befuddled again and he said, I, I know, sir, but, but, but you, 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 can you tell me where did you ever see a face like this of the Master? In Leonardo da Vinci, he said, 20 years ago, I saw this young man who was handsome and stalwart and attractive and I brought him here to my studio and I painted his face and it was much like what I thought was the face of Jesus Christ. And great tears streamed down this man's face as he said, Sir, I was that young man. At the very heart of who we are, we turn home towards Christmas but only as we turn towards God do we understand the face of Christmas. The power of sin shackles us from turning home to God by making us sometimes feel guilty and dirty and alienated and unwanted. But God gives us the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, to liberate us from feelings in order that He may lead us to that direction again that we call home. You see, finding our spiritual home is really the most important home that we can find during this Christmas season. Likewise, our lives will never be complete until we acknowledge the great universal truth that I shared with you what St. Augustine said. Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until we find rest in thee, until we find that ultimate gift, that gift of Jesus Christ and his grace, then all the other gifts are unimportant. Thirdly, and finally, I'd say, if we want to come home this Christmas, we need to find love. We're talking about love in our Advent readings, our emphasis today. We think about the love that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Uh, part of the readings was John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Also in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Love is patient and kind, not jealous or envious or boastful or haunty, but is always giving, always a person who doesn't hold grudges. Somebody is not self-seeking, but rather is seeking the best of others. What wonderful passages we have in the scriptures. Love came down at Christmas. That's a song we often sing, and appropriately so because most of all, Christmas is about genuine love. Bill Henson, in his book, Solid Living in a Shattered World, tells about a Christmas several years ago that his family experienced. Kathy received a perky little white puppy for Christmas. 
that puppy was so alive and, and so vivacious that the little girl called that puppy happy. It would just wag its tail and it would just follow her around and it was just a, a joy to have that little puppy in the house. But it was dad's job to build a doghouse. And so dad went and built the doghouse. Well, Happy didn't want no part of that. It was too big and it was too cumbersome and it was too dark inside that doghouse. And that little puppy named Happy uh, would go inside the doghouse, but immediately uh, would run back out again, just scared to death and frantic. They tried everything, warning that dog and pleading, commands, treats, all kinds of bribes, but to no avail. Nothing worked. Happy the dog would not go inside that doghouse and stay. He was terrified to death. But finally, Bill said, out of frustration, he went inside just to get a glass of water, about ready to give up on Happy ever enjoying that doghouse. And he looked outside the window, and there was Happy wagging that tail, going into the doghouse. Amazed, disbelief, what in the world has caused Happy to go into the doghouse? came out to see that his little daughter, Kathy, had crawled in the doghouse and was resting inside. And when Happy the dog saw Kathy go inside, he trotted right in beside her and made his home there. And the point is clear. When all else has failed, love prevails. That's what Christmas teaches us, isn't it? That when we go in those dog houses, when we go in those dark places, when we enter into these times that are uncertain, that we do not do that by ourselves, but that we go together with a living God who is concerned about us and walks beside us and lives right down beside us. What a wonderful thought for all of us. In the chapel of King's College in Cambridge, these words are inscribed by William Worldsworth. They dreamed not of a perishable home. All of us realize deep in our consciousness and our hearts that this home that we call home, this place that we live, wherever we live, it's just temporary residence. Then we hear the scriptures that says we're like a vapor that appears for a little while and then we vanish away. And we enjoy this moment here and now knowing that this is not our permanent residence. But rather true home is with God and we began to experience Him present tense so that we can experience Him in the future. Dr. Fred B. Craddock, who was a great preacher of days gone by, tells of a young couple that was seeking professional help to be able to buy a home. And the young couple said to the realtor, we want you to help us buy a home. And the realtor says, hold on just a second. I can help you buy a house, but I cannot help you get a home. 
that's a different story. We come home this Christmas, we come home to God who is searching for us, we come home to the Lord who understands whatever sins we have of omission and commission, that He is more than able to forgive us of all of those things and that He's able to bring us into perfect unison with Him and His will. That even though we can't maybe be with the people that we normally are with during this Christmas that we can experience in His fullness the very presence of God. How do we do that? We spend time with God. We spend some time in reflecting, in meditation, in prayer. We ask God to come to us in His fullness. We ask God to come to those who are isolated and lonely and discouraged and depressed and experiencing melancholy, that He would find a way during this Christmas that we would not only be blessed, but that we would be a blessing. That we would find those that need that phone call, those that need that package left outside the door, those who find those cards that are uplifting, that we find tangible ways as God has already come to us and brought us home, that there's that homing feeling also for others in the world that we live in. You see, boy, isn't it easy to get caught up in our own world and to sing our song of woe be unto me and to forget God's goodness and how he's come to us again with that greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. And he's given us abundant life and he promises eternal life and we can come home to him this Christmas. I guess my question for you this morning is will you come home this Christmas and receive God's powerful love and acceptance and forgiveness in manifold fashion. And if we're able to do that, can't that still, even in 2020, be the greatest gift we've ever received and the greatest Christmas we've ever experienced? And I know somebody's saying, come on, preacher. That's easy to say that and harder to do. And I agree with you. Yet I believe it in my heart. That if we're diligent and we're faithful and committed and seeking, we will find the Lord and He will bless us during this Christmas season. I wonder as you've listened to me and you've been in this service, and we've had wonderful uh, music in this service and we have felt the presence of God where we are. I wonder if you're willing to commit your life maybe in a different way than you have in the past of coming home to the Lord and that your focus is off many of the secular things that we experience and that we are able to hone in on the spiritual things of Christmas. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray as we understand your voice, your spirit speaking to us, that we would be faithful 
in coming home to you this Christmas. There are some who really have never known you. They've heard of you, but they haven't experienced you. There's others who have known you, but they've lost their way. They don't know the way back to Bethlehem. Help us to recommit our life to you and know that sometimes that we are misdirected, that we have tried to find happiness and joy and satisfaction and contentment in the things of the world, and they are so temporary and they are not lasting. May we find the things that are lasting in Jesus Christ our Lord. So come to us again. As you give us that invitation, may we say, I'm not going to think about coming home, but yes, Lord, I come home this Christmas. And we make this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. May God bless you as you have been able to watch and listen to us today. We ask that the Lord would take care of you and keep you safe. Uh, we hope that if you're not able to join us on the 24th for our Christmas Eve service, and we hope that you can, and invite others in your family to, to join with us, uh, that uh, you'll have a wonderful Christmas. On that 24th, we will be doing communion. We ask that you have uh, your own elements for communion, uh, the bread and the cup. We also that you find a candle for each person to light. And we'll still do uh, that song we always do on Christmas Eve, Silent Night. And on that last verse, we'll all raise it high, saying uh, that we uh, share that same light of Jesus Christ all over the world. So I hope that you join us again on the 24th. But if you can't, uh, may the Lord keep you safe in his arms and bless you. Uh, may you have as wonderful Christmas as possible. And we're certainly looking forward to what God's going to do in the new year. Uh, God bless and take care. Amen.